Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Well, I suppose I was going to do a finals breakdown on today's show, but then things became things and it ran a little bit late. I will say this, on the off chance you get a chance to uh, to listen to this show like right before tip, because that's probably when this thing is dropping, or it might even be later than that. I don't know. We're just launching right into it here. Um, slight lean to Golden State. I think they did figure a little something out in Game 2 that they'll carry over. Uh, and another slight lean to the under. I think we see Boston make some adjustments on their own side defensively. Things that they're going to try with Steph. So we won't even get into a whole deal on... Oh, you know what? Um, that's tomorrow. Oh, thank goodness. The game's tomorrow. Right, yeah. Two days off between every damn ball game. I almost forgot. Ha! Okay, well, I'll take what you will of that. We'll actually do a breakdown on uh, on tomorrow's pod. Anyway, hello, everybody. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Bespris. This is a sports ethos presentation. Shout out, as always, to our buddies over on the baseball and football side, JP and Joe, just cooking away all the good stuff for you. Into your pipes, Ethos Fantasy FB, Ethos Fantasy BB. Oh, Joe's up at 900 followers now. How did, how did that happen? Kid, you're going to be a star in a very niche fantasy industry. Oh, well. All right, I guess we can just move on to the other stuff. Uh, yesterday, we did the Hornets, which was a really fun one. And today, we've got the Cavaliers. That's the next one. Oh, you know what? We jumped over the Pelicans because they had a better... They went farther in the playoffs. Why didn't anybody stop me? Uh, we need to go back. We need to backtrack. Oh, geez, all that prep I did. I'm I'm lost today, man. I was gonna. I had prepped for the Cavaliers, and then as I'm looking at it, I realize we jumped up to the Clippers. They're listed on this page as the number nine team because they missed the postseason, but they actually had a much better record than the Pels, who were at 36 and 46, and actually they had a worse record uh, than the Hornets as well. So we're way out of whack. Tells me how many of you are willing to to care at this point in the offseason. <laughs> you don't. You're like, whatever, Dan's doing a team. We'll just roll with it. Uh, so we're doing the Pels today instead, guys. I, I got to throw out all my prep, and we'll just wing this one. Whoopity-doo. All right, you can see what this thing is like when we do a podcast where uh, we're flying a little bit by the seat of our pants. The New Orleans Pelicans, who swung a midseason trade for C.J. McCollum and Larry Nance Jr., have a lot of money on the books for this coming year. Most likely they'll exercise a team option on Jose Alvarado. And then otherwise, and not like that's going to be a ton of money anyway, they're, it, they're loaded up. CJ's making 33 mil this year. Brandon Ingram's making 32. JV's making 15, which is actually a very affordable deal for him. Devontae Graham, 11 and a half. Zion still on his rookie deal. He's set to make $13.5 million. Larry Nance, 10. Jackson Hayes, 7 on his rookie deal. Garrett Temple, five? Kira Lewis is making four. I don't think I realized how uh, where he was drafted. Trey Murphy, three. So they got all these young guys that are making fours and threes, and that adds up a little bit. But the only note on this team, really, is that Tony Snell's $2.5 million deal came off the books. So, you know, whoop-de-doo, I suppose. It doesn't really change much for the team as far as outlook goes. In terms of fantasy, things should look pretty different actually, despite the fact that the roster isn't set to change very much. And that that difference that we're talking about here is Zion. 
the presence of Zion. Him being around uh, totally changes how the usage gets factored on this team because this last season, C.J. McCollum, after he got there, was taking almost 20 shots a game. Brandon Ingram was close to 20 shots a game. JV's getting a dozen, 13, something like that. If you slot in Zion, who I would assume at the very bare minimum will be taking something like, I don't know, 15. He took 17 last year. Then you have to slot everybody else down. I know Ingram took 18 shots a game last season as well, but that was without C.J. McCollum. So there's a lot that's going to have to get factored in on the Pelicans team as you move forward. You've also got guys like Larry Nance, like Herb Jones, that do a lot of their damage with defense and sort of non-traditional categories that are a little bit, I think you could probably argue, a little bit less impacted by a usage guy coming back. And then you've got a guy like Devontae Graham, whose value is almost 100% tied to usage. And I don't know how enough guys are going to be hurt at any point this coming season where he actually has fantasy value. So I suppose we should start with who should even be on your radar. And effectively, it's the five guys with the best fantasy numbers from this last year, plus Zion, and then we'll start sort of whittling away at what those players can do. Those five names are JV, CJ, Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones, and then Larry Nance, who, again, if you look at sort of the full season, it doesn't really give you a good picture. Even if you look at the very tail end, it's not that outstanding. Uh, there was a stretch in there where Jackson Hayes had some value, but meh. Jose Alvarado had like a two-week stretch where he had some value because of steals. Um, and frankly, I think we can probably just wipe Larry Nance off the board because if we assume Zion's playing, then whatever opportunity Nance might have had to sort of wiggle in between Jackson Hayes and Jonas Valanciunas is gone. So take him off the board, and instead, you can now look at the top four from this last season, plus Zion, that now once again being JV, CJ McCollum, Ingram, Herb, and Zion. So let's just kind of do what we've been doing with this stuff and take it piece by piece, because presumably, McCollum will still be there. I think they liked what they were getting out of that core group at the end of the season. They made a nice little push to get into the playoffs. They actually played, I thought, better than folks expected against Phoenix. Hung in there a little bit. Obviously, you weren't, they weren't going to get past the Suns. Mavs did, which was a surprise, but that's a, again, that's a kind of a story for a different kind of podcast. Ingram, he's not going anywhere. JV, I don't know, maybe. I don't see why they would move him. He's a really nice fit as a rebounder. The problem... Of course, is that now if you have Valanciunas, you have Zion on the floor at the same time, that kind of turns JV into more of a, of a floor spacing big man on the offensive end, which isn't really his MO, but I, I trust that they can kind of figure that part out. Uh, and then Zion, of course, is Zion, which whatever that ends up being. Herb Jones, I think he'll probably still get to see some action. You might just see kind of a big Pelicans team this coming season where... McCollum is sort of like a big point guard. Might have some issues hanging with quicker point guards at the other end of the floor, but defense has never really been Pelican's calling card. Uh, then you go, I guess, Ingram at the shooting guard spot. Herb, small forward, Zion, power forward, JV center. It's a possibility. Unless they went Devontae Graham. Eh, 
I don't think they will. We'll see. We'll see. It does feel like they want to get Herb in there, based on whatever we're seeing to this point and, and his general defense, which they're going to need with all those other guys that can actually go and get buckets. This past season, C.J. McCollum was ranked number 59 on a per-game basis. That's if you include, I think, their play-in tournament games. If we, if we just fudge with the numbers a little bit and, and make sure that we're covering the exact right spots, it doesn't move all that much. Um, folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. CJ's still pretty close to that. He's 53. If you eliminate all the bonus games they played, uh, JV was 43 and quite durable, 74 games. Ingram was 69 after a very bad start. He played much better the second half of the season, although he was dinged up, 55 at 82 games. Herb Jones, 76 in 78 games. So that was also quite nice. There's just no way, unfortunately, while we did enjoy a lot of the fantasy values we saw with these guys, there's no way that the numbers hold for any of them besides maybe Herb Jones. Ingram getting 18 shots a game, that's maybe that holds. Maybe. But that put him in the top 70 range this year because the steals and blocks came back down where they had been prior to that sort of Pelicans revival. His field goal percent was 46, which, you know, I, that could tick up a little bit, but probably not enough to get him out of the, the 50 to 70 range. It's, it would have to be something else with him, and I don't know what that else is. And then McCollum, 19 shots a game. I doubt it with Zion back. So as much as I've loved CJ, and he's been for a couple seasons, three, four years now, kind of a, a member of what we talked about on yesterday's show, the, the DeMar DeRozan, Tobias Harris, whatever whatever the name is. We Remember we used to have a Marvin Thad line? Well, there's the, there's the DeMar-Tobias zone, town, village, whatever you want to call it. These guys that just consistently sit between 40 and 60 every year and always get drafted closer to the back end of that range. And CJ's been that guy, but I, I am concerned that he's not going to get 18, 19 shots a game with Zion back around. If that drops down to 16, that's a really big part of his equation. Really big. He's three three-pointers, 22 points a game, five assists. If you see the usage drop by 
whatever that is, I mean, that's almost 20%. That's a big chunk out. And I know he had weird issues with free throws this year. Maybe that comes back, and, and maybe that's a way that he can kind of climb back up where he was this year, even if the other stuff comes down. But is that a hill you want to die on? Oh, you know, I'm taking McCollum, even though I know his other stuff is going to taper off. I think the free throw percentage gets better and covers that. That's a that's a weird handicap. And then Valanchunas, 18 points, 11 rebounds. That's all well and good. A three-pointer, great field goal percent, good free throw numbers from your big man. What's not to love? Well, him being right in front of the basket on every offensive set is what's not to love because Zion coming around pushes him farther away. It will decrease the number of rebounds, but not by a ton. Zion's not as giant a rebounder on the defensive side as he is on the offensive glass, so it doesn't have that same impact on a guy like JV who's just standing back near the bucket and hoovering rebounds. He's still very much the center on defense, even if he's kind of more the power forward on offense when Zion's around. That's not to say, like, that's their position. It's just JV can hit a three-pointer, and we haven't really seen Zion do it. Yeah, that one game, I think it was against the Lakers. He had like five threes and then like none the rest of the next two months. So JV, he was around 40 this year, but I don't think he's getting that high this next season. CJ McCollum, around 50. He's probably not going to be that high next year. Ingram, 70. Yeah, he could probably get there because some other stuff fell off that could come back. Herb Jones, 76. Yeah, I mean, with him, the equation is, could he get better at some things? He could get better at shooting, per se, but you need those steals to stick, and there's not much in the way of massive upside there, because you know you're not going to be doing things on offense, so it has to be the steals and the blocks and the decent percentages on low volume. That's what needs to carry him through. So the Pels become kind of a dangerous fantasy team. And if you look at Zion from two years back when he last played in a ball game, he was number 65, which, mind you, was a lot better than I thought many of us thought it was going to be for him. 27 points on the most, the largest positive impact field goal percent guy in the NBA. Shot 61% at 17 shots a game. Let's say, hypothetically, he gets back to that. His value is so tied up in scoring and field goal percent that if there's any kind of drop-off for him, he falls quickly. He's a high-volume, bad foul shooter who turns the ball over without passing very much. I mean, he, fine, 3.7 assists. It's not a disaster, but it's not like... Your guy with two and a half to three turnovers, you're probably hoping for five-plus assists from that player. And then seven rebounds is fine, but it's not that big of a positive. It's like one above what you're hunting for out of your power forward. Zion could get back where he was, if only because he is such an imposing player. His presence, like him being there, he immediately slots right back into one of those, that 1A or 1B zone with Ingram. CJ might be a guy who takes a small step backwards. It's hard to say, though. You know, the, the Pels haven't really had this problem before where they had three guys that all demanded shots. It's always kind of been two... And another one. Like, you had Ingram and Zion, and then the others were Eric Bledsoe and Lonzo Ball a couple years ago. If you go back before that, it was Ingram and Drew Holiday, 
and Zion played just at the very end of the season and got up to 15 shots a game. By the way, he was number 194 that year. So yes, he needs a ton of shots, and he needs to make them all to cover up for the failings. That season, they just had this narrow little pocket where all three guys needed some sort of usage, and it was fine. I mean, it worked out okay, uh, but that was also a year where, I think it was an Alvin Gentry year, where they were like they had about 100,000 shots per game, so like you, there could just be more possessions. That fixed some of it. J.J. Redick took 10 shots a game. Lonzo had 11 shots a game. And they, I mean, they took so many attempts that year. And I think the last, last month of that season, I mean, it was weird. They, they sat a bunch of guys down. Um, Zion was outside the top 250. Ingram was like 110. He took 15 shots a game. Drew Holiday, I, I believe, had been traded at the end of that year. So there, there might not have even actually been... No, maybe he was still there. Was he still there? I don't know. That's a, I feel like that's forever ago. Uh, man, I, I truly can't remember. Yeah, I think he was traded by then. Either way, he took... Drew took 12 and some odd shots like right before he got traded when everybody was trying to get on the floor together. It was Ingram with 15, Drew with 12, Zion with 14. So this coming year, get off topic a little bit, this coming year is a a startling new situation for the Pelicans to have to look at, which is three guys that all demand usage. Three guys. We haven't had this before. And you have to you have to take it into account. The, like the, we we've run into this before where there's gonna be it's gonna happen, by the way. It's gonna happen. We're gonna get close to the season and we're gonna convince ourselves that there's there's some way this could magically work. We're going to say, oh, they, they're figuring it out. Or, like, guys are going to play at, at different times during the preseason and whatever. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to tell ourselves it could work. And then it's going to get there, and it's not going to work. From a reality standpoint, it might. But from a fantasy standpoint, everyone has to give up a little. It's not always a ton. You know, it might be like the Bulls bringing in DeMar DeRozan, who did a lot of stuff, and Levine took a little step back. Zach Levine was number 44 this year after being up in the, like, 25 to 30 range. So it's like a round and a half. Vooch, 29 this year. Uh, This, by the way, is including the first round of the playoffs. This thing... I use the Basketball Monster uh, board for my players, and for some reason when you select this season, it actually includes the playoffs. If, if you eliminate the playoffs, uh, Vooch is still 29, believe it or not. Um, Levine, I think, was a tiny bit worse, 46. Yeah, so that's pretty close. But, you know, Vooch was a second-rounder in Orlando, second-rounder in Chicago last year when it was just he and Levine. And Zach Levine was a 
late second, early third, when it was just he and Vooch, or him by himself, basically. But they brought in Lonzo Ball, who doesn't need a ton of usage, so I'm not super worried about how that impacted things. And then we all kind of looked at it. We're like, look, DeMar is there. He's going to take shots. He's going to handle the basketball. You've got... It's a dumb expression to say there's only one basketball, so blah, blah, blah. How do they figure that stuff out? They figured most of that stuff out by, you know, letting DeMar have an unbelievable career year from an efficiency standpoint. But while DeMar held strong... Vooch took a hit, 16 shots a game. You know, he was 19-20 in Orlando. Zach Levine took a little hit, 17 and a half shots per game. Little hit. That's all it takes for these guys that are big usage dudes. Vooch needs to score to have part of his value. Not all of it. You know, it's not like he went into the tank, but he wasn't a second rounder on a per-game basis. And with Levine, it's not like he went into the tank. He just sort of went back to what he was before he was a one-man gang. And that's what you're looking at with the Pelicans. It, the, Zion's return should make them a better team, much the way that DeMar DeRozan coming to Chicago made them a more winning, a winninger basketball team. For a while, they were the winningest. That came off, came apart a little bit. But more wins, good, team likes, fans like, all that stuff. But fantasy-wise, you have to ding these guys. If you think McCollum was around number 45 or 50, or even maybe a little bit better than that if the free throw thing wasn't now turned into the yips before Zion, knock a round and a half off of that. So if you thought he was going to be 38, it will be more like 56, 58. Something in that neck of the woods. 54, whatever. Doesn't matter. What did I say? 38? I lost track of what I said. Did I say 36 or 38? <laughs> Doesn't matter. Add 18 to it. There. 56. Forgot what number I started with. If you think Brandon Ingram is number 55 or 60, bump him back into the 70s. If you think Zion was going to be 65, you probably have to knock him down a little bit. Although... Let's be honest, we have no idea what Zion's going to be this coming year. So as much as it was enjoyable to have, say, McCollum post-trade or Ingram second half of this year when he started to get things figured out, it's it's just not going to be that way next year. They have to share the rock. And they're going to be trying to win. So it's not going to be a free-for-all like we've seen at times in the past with the Pels specifically in the Gentry regime, which was just go. Go, 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 go. Get as many category goodies as you can and go. It's not going to be that way. I mean, there will be stretches where they go on offensive surges, and that'll be fun, but they're going to be trying to win. So there's going to be a focus on defense. There's going to be a focus on team basketball, playing the right way. Guys are not going to be guaranteed minutes. Remember how we've been talking about having all these lists, names of guys we're sort of like half-watching? Pelicans should all pretty much go on the list of names that we're kind of half-watching to not draft them. Hey, how high is this guy going to go? Is this a guy who's going to get drafted early enough where he's now going to allow me to get a guy I am targeting? 
Like, does that allow someone else that I've been looking at to fall a little bit? Jonas Valanciunas, by the way, he might still get drafted late enough where it's okay. Like, he might still go in the 50s and 60s, at which point you'd be like, fine, that still works. He probably takes a hit. I don't think he gets as many shots. I don't think he gets as many rebounds this coming year. Maybe he doesn't even get as much playing time. But he's still going to be pretty good. He'll still be inside the top 60. So JV's the one guy on that board where I'd look at it and go, eh, late fifth, I'd still take a shot on that. Because he's a big man who rebounds and hits free throws. You'll just have to go get your blocks from a different big guy. Pair him with, like, JJJ. All right, guys, thanks for bearing with me on another late release today. Tomorrow will be coming on time. This, I promise you. And then we'll finally get to the Cavaliers because, uh, you know, goof it up like skipping over teams. I'm Dan Vaspers at Dan Vaspers on Twitter. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. Uh, finals tomorrow. I can figure this out. Talk to you then.